Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, good friends, and greetings one last time from Rome. I'll be back on Friday for the Reporters' Roundtable. But meanwhile, here's a fact that most Americans don't know about Italy, that the United States actually has three ambassadors in Rome. Not one, but three. First, our ambassador to Italy, a post that has still not been filled by President Biden. Reportedly, he was saving it for Nancy Pelosi, but she's not interested, so they say. And so for the moment, we have no ambassador to Italy. Then there's the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations Important Food and World Hunger Program, who until recently was held by Ambassador Cindy McCain, you may remember. We interviewed her last year for the Bill Press Pod in Rome, and Cindy has now moved on to be head of the entire United Nations Food Program. And then, since it's also its own independent country, there's the U.S. ambassador to the Vatican or the Holy See, a post now held by Joe Donnelly, former Democratic senator from Indiana, Yeah, uh, back in the days when a Democrat could get elected statewide in Indiana. Now, the Vatican may be a tiny country, but you might be surprised to learn that about all the important issues from Ukraine to climate change that our ambassador to the Vatican has to deal with, which I found out for the first time when I sat down with Ambassador Dinerly in the beautiful villa, which is his residence, right across the street from the American Academy in Rome. Mr. Ambassador, it's so good to see you. Um, you have appeared on the Bill Press show before uh, as a lowly United States senator, and now <laughs> <laughs> you are an esteemed U.S. ambassador. We welcome you back to the Bill Press well, show. Thank you so much, and it's it's wonderful to be with you again. And um, you know, I see all these shows on TV these days, and it's like Bill is the guy who started the genre. So. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, some people say that not so happily. Right? <laughs> so you know, when I've told so many people and friends that I'm going to have the honor of interviewing you for our podcast, everybody says, "Ambassador the Vatican." <laughs> What's that? What's he do? So let me sure. ask you for them, what, what's the job of the United States about to the Holy See? Right, that's the title, isn't it? So it's not like a typical ambassador where you have uh, a nation that does trade with the United States and issues visas and similar things. Mm -hmm. It's it's much more like a United Nations uh, position. And what I mean by that is the the voice of the Pope and the moral authority of the Pope goes around the whole world. And so when the Pope talks about Ukraine, people in Argentina listen, 
people in Russia listen, people in China listen, people in America listen. And our job here is to make sure that we're coordinating with the Vatican on on all different issues across the board so that when when the Pope talks about Ukraine, that we've done our responsible job of making sure that the Vatican's received all the information necessary mm. to be able to understand fully what's going on, that Russia has attacked, that Russia has invaded, that they are committing heinous crimes there. And, and it's our job to make sure that the Pope has all the information um, in order to discuss these things and to talk with his moral authority about it. We work together on, um, on China as well on religious freedom issues. And so the United States is a strong supporter of religious freedom, of democracy. And obviously in China, they don't have that. And the Vatican has an agreement with China on bishops, on on how how things are going to be handled with the Catholic faith. And and we work with them to try to make sure they understand also China and, and what's going on there, what is happening to the Uyghurs um, in the Xinjiang province and in those areas where, where they're in effect almost in concentration camps or are in concentration camps, what is happening to uh, uh, the church in terms of the, the government appointing bishops and, and the government always, when, whenever there's a problem, they always go, well, those are the local folks. Oh, and it's like, yeah. you know, they, they have the ability to pass things off. And so we want to work to make sure that the Vatican um, gets the full understanding of where we stand and that we get the full understanding of where the Vatican stands. It's a two-way relationship. And we work together on climate change. The Pope has talked about how um, this planet is God's creation. It's it's a little bit different way to think about the environment where people, people look at, uh, you know, how's this environmental effect, that environmental effect. The Pope clearly says, this is God's creation. We are the stewards. We have a responsibility to make sure we hand off to our children and grandchildren a planet and a place in even better shape than was given to us. And Book so of Genesis. Book of Genesis. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are the kind of things we work on, and yeah. that's why well, there's an ambassador to the Vatican. And um, a lot of people don't realize the Vatican is a country. It is, it is its own nation state. That's right. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, I checked this morning. And, and by the way, the Vatican reminds me of that when I'm in Italy oh. and, and vice versa. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you you can be across the street in Italy, but if you cross the street, you're in the Vatican and that's a different country. That's exactly right. With different rules. With different rules. Um, uh, different I have leader. I have some security that occasionally is with me and and when they head to the Vatican, um, their authority is is in Italy because you, mm. you know our residence is in Italy, and their their authority ends at the border, right wow. there at the at the beginning of the Vatican City State. Whoa! So I checked this morning, um, a total of uh, this nation, the Vatican, 121 acres, total population 453. So like, and no army, no air force, you know. No, no Navy. What what power do that does the Vatican have? Well, think what back, can they do? Think back to World War Two, when you know the. And, and we've heard comments before. How many legions does the Pope have? Well, think of think of John Paul II in uh, in Eastern Europe, where the moral authority of of Pope John Paul II, now Saint John Paul II, was maybe the primary reason that the um, the iron curtain fell 
that Poland became free, that all the Eastern European nations became free. The moral voice of standing up very clearly and saying, this is what we believe. These are the rights that you have. And you have a right to live this way. And, and the whole world changed. The whole world completely changed where all of a sudden Poland and Ukraine and Hungary and all of these nations that used to be under the yoke of Russia uh, were no longer. And so what, what the Vatican has is, is that voice of moral authority. In World War II, where there was a, there's a, a white line that's still um, kind of a circular line at the edge of where the Vatican ends and where Italy begins. Mm -hmm. And the Nazis came right up to that line. And on the other side, the Vatican, uh, Vatican officials stood and said, you will go no further. And, and obviously, they didn't have tanks to stop them. Mm -hmm. They didn't have armies to stop them. But the Nazis never came in because they knew the incredible power of the moral authority of the church. On that topic, um, there is a lot of criticism, right? That the Vatican, however, um, might have protected itself, but it didn't do much to protect, um, to speak out against the horrors that were going on in Italy under Mussolini, uh, in Germany, in Poland, in France, under Hitler. Do you, um, does the, is the Vatican aware of that? Do they acknowledge that they should have done more publicly? Well, they are aware of it. Um, and in fact, Pope Francis has opened the archives so that um, historians, we've, we have a historian um, in the area we live here uh, who's part of the American Academy across the street from us who's, who's researched this extensively. By the way, a quick editorial insert here. The book that Ambassador Donnelly is talking about is the book The Pope at War by historian David Kurtzer from Brown University, whom we interviewed here on the Bill Press pod about that book. And that podcast, that interview is still up on the archives for the Bill Press pod. Check it out. Great book. Very important book. There's an ongoing um, dialogue and effort between uh, the Vatican and Jewish communities to make sure that all information is available, all information can be seen. And so um, the best disinfectant is sunlight, and that's what they're doing right now. Uh, do you think that might, um, this may be getting into Vatican politics, <laughs> so uh, do, do you think that might um, delay or maybe even prevent the canonization of Pius XII? You know what? That is way above my pay grade. <laughs> I represent the United States on foreign policy today. So uh, it's above you, my you know, pay grade there, too. there are wiser heads than me on those issues. But you did mention Ukraine. I want to ask you about Ukraine because I remember when the war started that the first words from this pope, whom I admire very much, were sort of like, you know, well, there were some warnings that NATO should not be pushing too far east, as if to say, you know, the West started the war, which was kind of what Putin was saying. Uh, where's the Vatican today on Ukraine? They're in a very different place. Um, That's where if, they started, though, isn't it? Kind of. Well, well, right? The Pope said those things. Um, but that was clearly not the case at the time. It's clearly never been the case. And the Vatican is, is clear now in the way they discuss this and the way they discuss it. In, in, it was said just to me this week when there was discussions, well, what is peace? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And Vatican officials said to me, peace means that the peace is just, that there's justice, and that it's durable. And justice is not that some other country, I, it, now I'm talking for myself, but also obviously yeah. what's inherent in that is it is not just for another country to attack you, to invade you, to take your land, to murder your children, and um, to try to completely eliminate your culture, your nation, and the people of your nation. And so the Vatican understands that. We bring that up on a constant basis. That's a huge part of of my obligation, my responsibility, and I feel it very strongly, is to make sure that they know all of the facts on the ground. They know what's going on. They know how this started. And it clearly started because Vladimir Putin, for no reason at all, decided he was going to attack um, a sovereign nation. So you've actually dealt with, who makes a foreign policy or a group of cardinals in the Curia that are their foreign policy? I mean, do they have kind of the the state, internal state? They do have an internal state department. Um, Cardinal Paroline, um, uh, an extraordinarily uh, talented, influential, and faithful individual. Um, Cardinal Paroline is the secretary of state. They have, they have nuncios who are in effect Mm -hmm. ambassadors all around the world. We have a nuncio um, in the United States who serves there. And so they have one of the best information gathering organizations as well. They, they, for instance, where we work together with them on issues in Africa or elsewhere, where we have an ambassador there, they have, small parishes all over the nation. Mm. And so together as a team, sometimes like one plus one can equal four, where where we say, look, we want to help with clean water, clean sanitation. And they can say, well, we have 17 spots that we think need it. So back to Ukraine. Have yes. you dealt with uh, the officials at the Vatican on Ukraine and uh, brought them information? And On a constant basis. Yes. Yeah. That is um, a, a, a central part of my job here is to represent uh, to them the information that we know, the information that we see, to meet with them and talk about, look, um, this was started by the Russians. Uh, this was not something that that just occurred. This was a plan that they had, that they attacked a free and sovereign nation, that this is a nation of, of um, many different faiths, and you know Russia has occasionally tried to use religion as a as as yeah. an excuse on this, and it's clear that this is not about religion. This is about them wanting to take another nation. And I talk to the Vatican every week about this. Bring them information every week on this, and it's a central part of what we believe is critical to do. Because in the United States, we believe that Ukraine has a right to be free. President Biden has accused Russia of uh, war crimes. Um, have you brought any evidence of war crimes to the Vatican? Well, you know, if you look on, um, if you look on, just on Google, there's a picture there of a plastic container filled with gold fillings. And those are from the people of Ukraine that that the Russians have, the Russians have Mm. um, attacked um, and have taken those to the side. And that picture is, I mean, those are very visible that anybody can see. Right. Um, 
I read between the lines that you might have made sure that the Vatican saw those pictures, but I'll... I'll They're pretty internet savvy. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, and on climate change, again, uh, it is certainly a priority for this Pope. That's one of his main priorities, isn't it, Francis? It, it and, is. And again, what is their influence? What are they trying to do? They're trying to make sure that our children and grandchildren have a planet that's livable, that... Um, that we don't waste the resources that we have, that we don't abuse our positions in making it so that in, in some of the, um, some of the nations, for instance, like Sri Lanka and others that are have extremely low water tables that, that the whole world, the whole developed world looks and says, how can we help? How can we make it so that we can uh, make sure to keep those people safe? That, that in effect, we're all God's children. We're in this together, and we need to work together to protect our planet. Uh, one other issue I did want to ask you about. I noticed this week in the New York Times, um, so back in 2013, actually, the Pope formed a pontifical commission for protection of minors to deal with this issue, which was really a problem for the church. And let's just be honest, the church it's took a long time before they... It's nightmarish, and they should yeah. have handled it much, much sooner. And now this... So this commission has been sort of hidden inside the Vatican walls for a while, kind of hard to get to. And the New York Times reported they have now established and moved their headquarters like to downtown Rome so that people who might have been previous victims or stories but have access to them and can tell their story. How do you read this as a, um, a good sign? They need to have all the doors open on this because, uh, you know, I was I was... I was an altar boy and 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you looked at, you looked at our priests um, from the parish you were in it is almost godlike, as you know. Absolutely. And uh, th this abuse is criminal that happened. It is, uh, it, it was life crushing for the people who were, who, who suffered because of it. And so the more, um, the more those who, whose lives were, were damaged can see that there's an effort to try to reach out the better the church is we've uh, been talking about the pope um and his policies uh i want to take a quick break here on the podcast uh, ambassador and when we come back let's talk about the pope and how he's doing he's doing well <laughs> Friends, you know, I'm like you, I'm sure. Every time we see the images of Ukraine on television, people being blown out of their apartment buildings, taking shelter in basements, fleeing to the borders, families breaking up, all of us ask ourselves, oh my God, what can we do? How can we possibly help? Here's another idea. Carol and I are doing this, and I hope you will too. Uh, let's help out the World Central Kitchen. Jose Andres and his people are on the scene like they are with every major disaster. Uh, they're on the job in Ukraine, in Poland, Moldova, in Romania, uh, helping the refugees, providing hot meals, and a whole lot more. They need our help. Uh, and that's one way to get help directly to the Ukrainian people. Go to their website at wck.org, wck.org, and provide Whatever help you can. Thank you. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. 
Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back on the Bill Press Pod uh, here in Rome with uh, ambassador, our ambassador representing all of us to the Holy See, to the Vatican ambassador, Joe Donnelly, former United States senator, former member of Congress from Indiana and former United States senator uh, from Indiana. So um, when I first got here uh, about three weeks ago, uh, Mr. Ambassador, <laughs> woke up to the news the Pope was taken to the hospital with a, with a respiratory infection which got all of us worried. Um, you're there. Uh, you're in touch with him every day. How's he doing? He seems to be in much better health now. One of the interesting parts of this is that um, there's a real close friendship between President Biden and Pope Francis. Really? I mean, they, yeah. they, are re- they are close friends. They care about each other. And when this news came out, we heard right away from the White House, they said, the president is worried about his friend. Mm. And can you get us the most up-to-date information you can? And that's what we worked nonstop to do. We we tried to get information from from the hospitals, from the Vatican, from all around, um, so that we could get the president and the people of America information as to how he was doing. And it seemed like he was getting better every day, but every day they said, look, we'd still like an update. Um, and And this is like quintessential Vatican. So we provided with the best information from all of the sources, from the hospitals, from everywhere that we could. And um, just the other day when the Pope was at one of his outside events, Mm -hmm. a person asked him, so how are you feeling? And he said, I'm feeling good, but on the way to the hospital, I passed out and went unconscious. (laughs) And everybody was like, what? <laughs> and it was it was the first time anybody had heard that. Yeah. The Vatican News Service never shared that with anybody else. And so everybody in America is like, um, yeah. what? Yeah. How did this happen? And And he's feeling much better now, though. I think it was in part... Uh, there's, there was a strong flu going around through this area that, it, while not COVID, showed many of the same type of uh, many of the same type of symptoms, and it was it was hard actually to not catch it around here for a few months. So you know, in the uh, at home in the United States, there are a lot of people who say I think they're wrong that uh, God Joe Biden's eighty. You know, he's really not up to the job. Uh, the Pope is older. 
Uh, do you have any doubt that he's up to the job? Is he in charge? Is he running things? Is he is uh, he on it? I heard a um, uh, one of the members of the the Vatican, very high up, who said, "Well, your nation's a little different than ours, meaning the Vatican nation." They said, "Because the Vatican, there's one person in charge," <laughs> and and so that was just this month. Um, Pope Francis. Uh, like Joe Biden, President Biden is as is as sharp as sharp could be. Is very clear about exactly what's going on everywhere. Um, he's not in as great a health as he was some years ago, meaning Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of mental clarity, he's as sharp as I have ever seen him. Do you have any? Do you have any idea that he might retire? I. I don't see in in any way an indicator that he would retire because I think he loves this position. I think it's obviously a burden, and, and the burden is that he, from the moment he wakes till the moment um, he puts his head down, he is the Pope, and he is in meeting after meeting, event after event, traveling around the traveling around the world at eighty six, and in a week or two he's going to Hungary. Um, for three days. And so um, he's running a schedule of a 40 or 50 year old, which is really, which is really challenging. Um, but I think in his mind, and I, I certainly don't speak for him, but I think in his mind, he thinks this is, this is my vocation. This is my commitment to God that, that I will give everything I have. And how is he doing with the politics of the Vatican in terms of you know, we know there's some elements, particularly in the Curia, high up, who think he's a little too far left, too far like John the Twenty Third, not enough like Benedict, or not enough like John Paul the um, Second, and 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 that gets to the point, I guess, which is pure speculation. Some people say, well, when he's gone, the pendulum's going to swing back the other way. How do you read the politics of the Vatican? Yeah, is he- you you actually don't hear too much of that around here. Um, I mean, there's a lot of but speculation real, around the it? world. Yeah. Um, there's some element of that, but but the everyday element is is like for me, how do I make sure that the message of the United States foreign policy is presented, and that the for them that the Vatican's message is presented to us, and so that's that's out there, but it's yeah. on the periphery as opposed to the everyday job for me of trying to make sure that um, the people of America have have the best possible representation that we're standing up for Ukraine, our friends that we're helping to lead on those efforts and that our concerns that we agree with them on the climate change, on working together on Ukraine that are front and center to do the best possible. You mentioned about, um, you know, what comes in the future. I think one of the things Pope Francis wanted to make sure of, um, because he, he likes to run the shop. He he is he's extraordinarily kind, extraordinarily humble, but he's also extraordinarily aware that he's in charge of the shop, yeah, uh, yeah. so to speak. And so, um, at this point, approximately seventy percent of the cardinals who vote in the next conclave have been appointed by Pope Francis, and oh. and that's more than fifty. <laughs> <laughs>
as you know, and, as and more than two thirds. <laughs> as you know, more than as a former member of the Senate, that's right. right? That count. Is, yeah, that, you have to what, be able to count. That's, that's what really counts. So you've been generous with your time. I, I, I. Uh, unless you want to comment, uh, I'm not going to ask you whom you're supporting for the Republican nomination in 2024, or what. You, but let me just ask: Are you? I, I will say this. Um, I was given this chance by President Biden, and he is somebody who has been a, a, a close friend of mine. Who you served he, together in the Senate. He, he he's an extraordinary human being. He he was vice president when I got to the Senate, but we oh. worked very closely together on health care. Um, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you know what the auto industry means to Indiana, Basically, yeah. right? If if that goes, there's a depression, and we were on the verge of losing Chrysler in the auto industry. And the two people who stood up were, were Joe Biden and Barack Obama, President Obama at the time. And uh, what the vice president and I, you know, I, I basically said, I will get on my knees to beg for this opportunity for them to continue. And he said, look, here's the thing. Um, we're going to give every we're going to we're going to give everybody a shot. Everybody's going to get a haircut. You know, everybody mm-hmm. gives a little, but there's going to be a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work but they can't ever say that we didn't give the industry a chance. And we went from over 5,000 people working in those plants to less than a hundred. And today there's over 7,000 working there. And so we bonded on issues um, at the loss of his son. You know, we all, we all carried uh, uh, our, our love and affection to him and to Jill and to the family. And I'll never forget being in Wilmington and um, being at the church there and, and going up to him and saying, I, I don't know the words to tell you how sorry I am. And he looked and he, and what he said, he said, are you okay? <laughs> and I thought, yeah. like, talk about, talk mm-hmm. about selfless. Mm-hmm. That's so pardon. So, um, but I can't, I can't stop myself from asking a question about Indiana. I, I, so I think I'm always it, happy to talk about Indiana. But I think about Indiana. I think about Birch Bay, who was a good yeah. friend of mine, a hero. I mean, a genuine American hero. Evan Bay, great guy. Even a Republican like Richard Luger representing Indiana. You representing Indiana. And today, Indiana is just considered, you know, a hopeless red state Mike Pence territory. What happened? Well, you know, um, the people are as good as ever. They're as kind as ever. Um and it's whoever's running, it's, it's our obligation, our job to let people know that, that the TV caricature of this party or that party, um, your, your best wisdom doesn't come from television. It, it comes from dealing with the people who are there, who are trying to make life better for your children, who are trying to make sure that education is stronger, that there's more job opportunities. I mean, you, you know, I, I always used to say, I'm not a, I'm not a Democrat or Republican Senator. I'm an Indiana Senator. My job is to make sure that um, your kids can get a great education, that there's a great job opportunity for you, that you can retire with dignity and you live in safety. Um, those are the basics. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I, I hope we all focus on. I focus on that. You think we can get Indiana back? <laughs> I, you, you know what? Uh, I respect uh, the people of my state. They'll make that decision. But it was it was an unbelievable honor to serve them. Ambassador, it's good to see you again. You've got a great job. You're doing a great job. Thank you for the job you're doing for the American people. 
Uh, and thanks for your time uh, for the podcast today. It's my privilege, and it's wonderful to see you again. And that's a wrap from Rome with today's podcast. Today's interview with our ambassador to the Vatican, Ambassador Joe Donnelly. So I'll be back on Friday for this week's Reporters Roundtable. And while I'm already excited about all we've got to talk about, Tucker Carlson fired from Fox, Don Lemon fired from CNN, maybe by the end of today, Joe Biden, who's jumping back in to run for re-election in 2024. And meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy trying to get enough Republicans to vote for his plan to end the debt ceiling. So uh, all of that and a whole lot more part of today's uh, Friday's Reporters Roundtable. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you again back in the United States on Friday for the Bill Press Pod. Reporters Roundtable.